This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. Wednesday looks like it's going to be a bit of a landmark day for the arts in the UK. Let's start with what the Evening Standard itself is doing, which is no small thing. On Wednesday, the first recipients of the Future Theatre Fund will be revealed. That's 12 up-and-coming stage talents, each receiving £10,000. The fund was set up in association with TikTok and in partnership with the National Youth Theatre in response to the pandemic, which shut down our theatres and, of course, took with it the opportunities for the next generation. Not only that, but the Chancellor is expected to announce a £400 million boost for the arts in his budget. He's putting £300 million into the Culture Recovery Fund, which already has more than £1.5 billion in it, and there's another £100 million going to museums and cultural bodies to keep them afloat until they can reopen on May 17th. Well, I'm joined by Paul Rosby. He's the Chief Executive of the National Youth Theatre and also chaired the judging panel for the Future Theatre Fund. Paul, let's start with that £400 million and that classic question. Is it enough? <laughs> well, it's always nice to be asked that question. Is 400 million enough? Um, and of course, one simple word answer is no. Uh, it is never enough when you're dealing with such a catastrophic hole, a gap in our cultural landscape. Um, however, it is another great lifeline, an opportunity for so many to be able to feel that there is a fundamental support from core government to say we recognise the value of culture. I mean, look, let's not make any pretenses about this situation at all. It is such a struggle. And technically, post the pandemic, the struggles will continue. You know, there should be at the heart of this recovery, we talk about a green recovery, we should talk about more about a cultural recovery because, because culture is at the heart of the recovery because culture is at the heart of everything we are in this country. And I think the Chancellor is definitely going some way to recognising that. So credit where credit is due. But of course, we know it's also on credit. So please don't tax the arts to pay for it in two years time. Um, We'll do well. We'll survive. We'll thrive. Thanks to the support. Well, there's quite an interesting intellectual question here, Bob, because it's possible that income tax might go up and self-employed people might have to pay higher taxes. Is it worth paying a little bit more in tax to save our theatres to save culture? You see, I think the question's the wrong way around. For one, we shouldn't be in a, we sh- it shouldn't be an either or, should it? It shouldn't be how do we save them? It should be that we appreciate them. They're part of who we are. It's part of our national identity. There is no question that they will be saved. It should be 
how? So you're saying taxes. Of course, we're all wise enough, and you're not, but I'm old enough, sadly, to know how the fiscal arrangements work in this country. If we're broke, somebody has to pay for it. I think, though, I think that what shifted, and I hope this remains, is there is such a thing as the kind economy. So if there's this new shift in fiscal policy around the kind thinking, then absolutely theatre, arts, life arts, live arts should be at the heart of that kind economy. And there are many organisations that I'm sure would love to pay a little bit extra, extra tax, many of whom have benefited from the essence and the structure of theatre in this country. Many global organisations, entertainment organisations, have done extremely well out of British theatre culture, the talent that has risen from it on stage and backstage. So if they want to pay a little bit more, um, then um, I'm sure they'd be delighted because they're reinvesting in the talent that absolutely gives them numerous amounts of profit margins um, uh, to come. So I think that's an interesting one to look at. Individual taxes, if you can afford it, yeah. Actually, that's quite an interesting point because I was just, I was before we were doing this interview, I was having a look at the Golden Globes winners again and I was just looking so much of the talent that is propelling its way through Hollywood right now started not just on a British stage but on a London stage at that. It all came from here, didn't it? So much of it. Yeah, it did. I mean, two, three, actually, have come through National Youth Theatre. Rosamund Pike, Daisy Edgar-Jones, Vanessa Kirby. You know, that aspirational fit about what the West End does is extraordinary. It's more than a badge of honour. It's an absolute privilege. And it's a privilege that everybody should be able to have the opportunity to explore and experience. That's in the auditorium as well as on stage and backstage. It shouldn't be an elitist zone. And I think at times it's been right criticised that it is but actually uh, it is the most brilliant vibrant centre for culture and I hope in this recovery that certainly theatre owners and producers independent producers and organisations such as National Youth Theatre uh, will continue to invent ways of channeling opportunities for new talent on and off stage in the heart of London's West End. Look, I'm very lucky. I live not far from the heart of London's West End and it is a ghost town. We know that the West End is dead and without the West End, the centre of London is dead. And that kind of brings us really nicely to the Future Theatre Fund, which you've been involved with, Paul. So we're trying to, at the Evening Standard, help talent breakthrough in all kinds of areas uh, of of theatre you've been chairing the panel for the judges what's impressed you about what you've seen well I, I thank you for the opportunity as well thank you evening standard and thank you tiktok i mean it's been an absolute game changer for those for those 12 names and more actually What's really overall impressed me is is the ability, despite all the cultural, financial, physical barriers that the participants in the Future Theatre Fund have experienced very clearly, is their talent to be able to communicate who they are and why they are deserving of this brilliant cash award of £10,000. It's one thing to have talent and to feel very protected by it and to feel proud of it. But it's another thing to explore it and to actually exchange it and sell it. And I've talked in the past about the idea of how young people need to promote their talent to a wider audience. 
and this digital renaissance that we've all been experiencing, whether we like it or not, um, it is that, um, has really sharpened some of that talent base to be able to communicate in a really clear way. It's an equalizer. It's very democratic. Everybody's had to do this. And young people are expert at it, but should never be shy of shouting about their talent. So the ones that have really come across are the ones that have been able to promote their skills in an inventive, clear, articulate, passionate way. We're going to have to do that for the rest of our cultural being lives, you know. I mean, this is what we do. We have to sell ourselves. And they've been fantastic. I mean, it was a really hard, hard um, role, really, um, in one respect, because of the, 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 the sort of immense talent there. I mean, it was difficult to make the decisions that we made, but we're very grateful of it. And Paul, we're not just talking about selling yourselves now as, as, a, as a young up-and-coming talent. You're going to have to sell yourself throughout your career. And you're also, right now, the most important thing that theatre can be doing right now is selling theatre. Yeah, yes. Yeah, start buying those tickets. You know, I'm worried that there's a culture of closure going on because I've heard, and it's happening to a lot of people, going, I'm not sure whether I really miss that anymore. I'm not sure whether I really want to. Do I really need to put some of my hard-earned cash to a theatre ticket, cinema ticket? Do I really need to go and do that? I can just enjoy Netflix. I can just enjoy Amazon. Um, and I, actually, um, the answer is yes. Uh, never lose sight of the value of the live shared experience. You know, we come from, we come from the earth. We want to sit around, build a fire and tell stories. Theatre is sitting around without the fire and telling brilliant stories. If the fire is on stage, it'll be a very controlled manner. But you know, it's it's the fire is the passion, the fire is the articulation, is the invention. And, uh, but we haven't lost that need and that desire. And I, I just, I hope, I hope that um, ticket prices will remain for some um, affordable. I know it's a real, I know it's a life choice. I know it's a luxury for so many. I know West End producers have a, a big hole to fill as well financially, but I know they want to open those doors as quickly and as brilliantly as possible. So, um, yes, please, out there, buy the tickets. Buy the tickets. Talk about it. Celebrate the importance of live theatre because we are so good at it. We're the best in the world at it. We really are. I mean, it's as simple as that. So come on, let's celebrate it. Let's do a quick ad break now and please do hit that subscribe button so you never miss our interviews, features, news and analysis every day at 4pm. After the break, more from Paul and the future of our theatre. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Thanks for coming back. Now, Paul, in part one at the end there, you were talking about the fire, getting passion back for theatre. One thing that's really impressed me is not just the talent that applied for the Future Theatre Fund, but the numbers, the huge numbers of people that genuinely, truly dream of performing, of creating theatre again here in London and and across the UK. You've already said that we're the best in the world at this. Clearly, we have the up-and-coming talent to remain so, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it it, it starts and ends with being on stage or, or, or actually building and designing and creating the show off stage. It's just as important about our technical talent, you know, our technical talent, our expert. You know, I think some people think that if you're a stage manager, um, for instance, or a set designer for theatre, you can only do that. Um, that that's not the case. Um, there's a, a theatre designer, a set designer called Ez Devlin, has just created the um, the UK Pavilion in Dubai for Dubai Expo 21, 22. Uh, it's an immense achievement, technical achievement. You know, theatre designers, stage managers are going to end up running stadiums, designing shows in outdoor venues and arenas across the globe and lighting as well, and sound creation, audio design is so, so inventively wonderful to be a part of uh, as a member of the audience, let alone as a director. Uh, They're the the voices of the future. Uh, They're the images of the future. And so actually being on stage as an actor is, to be honest with you, the easiest part of that job. Uh, of course, no, I've just alienated all my actor friends completely and utterly. Uh, so, um, but in a way, you know, that's the easy bit. Uh, the rest is actually creating and building it around them. And we're all theatre makers now. So to be fair to actors as well, they invent as well. And what was very impressive about the Future Theatre Fund is that the skills came across, not just one type of skill. So an actor might think that as an actor in 30, 40 years ago, that's what you wanted to do. It's what you were. Now everybody's a theatre maker. You know, they create work. They do spoken word as well. They design, they play instruments, they create soundscapes. Um, They're the full package. Uh, So the invention and the agility of young talent is clear for everybody. However, I can hear parents and guardians across the land going, why do you want to take part in theatre now? Because isn't the industry at risk? And that's what worries me, is that we're going to miss a generation of talent right now who've got it, who've trained, you know, and have fallen off that cliff with no opportunity at all. And once you fall, it takes a lot more effort and money to pick yourself up. If you trip, okay, but you fall, that's dodgy. That's really hard. That's hard hitting in so many ways. Um, So this fund is there to protect a future fall as well as those that have fallen already in the past 12 months. And that's what's been so wonderful about it. Yeah, I do. I do worry about those who graduated in the summer of last year and there was nothing there for them. Like, genuinely just nothing there for them. Can we get, can we reach those people? Can we pick them back up again? Can we say, I know it's been hard, but just sustain it and we'll, be, we'll come back? Well, I mean, we're, we're, yes, there are initiatives out there, such as the Kickstart programme, for instance. We've just been awarded some money to give 60 jobs to people um, outside of London, um, specifically targeting um, schools that are non-mainstream as well, to be able to be trained with us and then go and work in non-mainstream schools. Um, And some of those young people we're training, giving jobs to, are exactly those graduates that have fallen off a cliff a year ago. 
Um, it's up to every organization, uh, big, however big or small, to try and identify a single voice or a hundred voices or a thousand voices that have missed out in the past 12 months and give them that platform and that support through engagement and hopefully through employment. We just employed over 300 freelancers in the past 12 months and in no small way because of the cultural recovery grant there that's been there for that reason. Um, but it's up to organizations to filter and find that talent that so desperately needs it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think there's going to be a big party. I think people are going to feel really relieved, aren't they? And go, wow, great. Hospitality is going to go boom. Flights, holidays, boom. Theatre, culture, experience, boom. And then there's going to be a slight hangover. And then the reality sinks. And that's what we need to protect against. That's the problem. It's the longer term thinking and the longer term damage of this is, is there, I'm afraid, for all to potentially see. Potentially, yes. But can we, just for the end of the show here, have a think about what it's going to be like on that opening night again, when those theatres have opened up, when the crowds have come back, when you're able to look out across an audience and go, yes, we're back now. How is that? going to feel for you is it going to be almost as good as the first time you ever set foot on a stage and looked out at an audience uh, yeah i think in terms of emotion which is what we trade on it's what this is what stories are it's all about emotion um yes i mean just talking about it now i'm getting tingles you know uh, and that is without going to the bar which of course is closed uh so but i absolutely i absolutely feel that tingling sensation of being in a live auditorium with live performers I mean, the other day we had a bit of sun and I walked along the South Bank and there was one sole busker and she was brilliant. And normally we're a bit we're a bit numb to that, particularly in London. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, another. Oh, they're in the way. Oh, you want to walk faster. I don't, you know, who gave her permission? Um, now we stop and we hear and we observe in a far more appreciative way. Oh, my God, there's somebody singing in a street that we're all. She's wonderful. Get, I mean, give that got an absolute contract she was brilliant and i think we're we're ready for that first night experience to just sit back and enjoy the joy on stage i hope there is joy on stage as well i mean i think it's the duty of lots of theater producers commissioners organizations to commission happy stuff as well you picked on my pessimism i think it's a note to self is that we should commission more joy uh, as well. And I think we're all ready for some comedy, for some music, for some laughter, for some live interaction. And the first night will be something to remember for sure. I really can't wait. Actually, I'm, I'm over mooned about it. I'm, I've almost wet myself just thinking about it. <laughs> and that's the leader. The Future Theatre Fund virtual ceremony is streaming from 7pm on Wednesday night. It's hosted by Amy Atkinson and Leighton Williams at the Apollo Theatre. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash future theatre fund. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>